Hey Soul Traders, welcome to another episode of Soul Trader, the holistic approach to freelancing. My name is Angelina Warburton and today I'll be chatting about choosing the content we consume with care. But first, I need to give my weekly shout out to something that's caught my attention this week and something that I absolutely cannot believe I have lived without for so long. I'm going to recommend a podcast to you. My good friend Esther Swift recommended it to me on our recent Clouds tour. It's The High Low Show, a weekly news and pop culture podcast presented by Dolly Alderton and Pandora Sykes. You need this podcast in your life. The two women are so articulate and eloquent in what they say and are both so inspiring. They also recommend tons of books, essays, talks, articles, films and TV series. So I thought this recommendation fitted in perfectly with the theme of this week's podcast. It's not specifically a feminist podcast, but I love hearing them talk about women's issues. As I say, they make their arguments so well. And I must be about their age because I get most of their references to 90s and noughties culture and TV, which is always a bonus. On my last drive from Scotland back down to York, I didn't even feel the need to stop because I was so engrossed listening to their opinions, observations and recommendations. So I really do recommend that you check them out. So, last week we were chatting about money. And I was saying that I'm going to change the amount I pay myself weekly from £250 down to £200 a week. Well, it's only been a week, but thanks to the Clouds tour and a few other things that have been going on, I've built up a little cushion in my business account. Yay! <laughs> so Friday's payment has been scheduled and I should be able to pay myself for the next few weeks, no problem. Although harp insurance is due shortly. There's always something, isn't there? Another point I need to mention is that I totally forgot to talk about deposits last week. I always take a deposit for bookings now and I recommend that you do the same if you work for yourself and clients are booking you for specific events. After one particularly cruel weekend years ago when two gigs cancelled last minute, I remember I had one on the Saturday and one on the Sunday and they both cancelled on me and it left about a £600 hole in my income that month. What I did after that for a short amount of time is take a £50 deposit to secure any booking. But nowadays, I actually ask for 50% of the final fee. This evens out my income really nicely and means that people don't often cancel. And when I say it evens out my income, what I mean is that as a harpist and often a wedding harpist, I'm sure you can imagine that most of my work is during the summer but people do book me all through the year. So to save having these summers where I just feel like I'm, you know, got lots of money coming in and winters where I feel like I'm going to starve, um, I found it's much more consistent, and we know I love consistency, it's much more consistent to get 50% of the fee as a security deposit. And no one has complained to me about this. People expect it, especially if you're, it's anything to do with weddings. So if I can't do the booking, I, of course, transfer that deposit to someone who can. It's not about taking free money. 
obviously. It's about protecting ourselves from last minute cancellations, from flaky clients. I get the second 50% of the fee two weeks before the big day. That way the client doesn't have to think about it, they know it's all sorted, and if they cancel after that point, and we're talking two weeks before the gig, I do keep the money. Although, you know what, that actually hasn't happened yet since I've been doing it this way. So for me, I feel like this is only fair, as I say no to lots of other offers of work that come in, uh, to stay uh, faithful to the first thing that goes into my diary. And I feel like it's only fair that I am recompensed for doing so if the gig that I've stayed loyal to then cancels at the last minute. So I also have some very big news since I was chatting about money. I have set up a pension. This this is crazy. I've been meaning to do this for years and I've actually done it. So I'm so glad that I started this podcast because it's actually going to give me the kick up the bum that I need to actually do some of these things that I really need to do. So I did some Googling, I did some research, of course. I'm using Pension B. Uh, you may not have heard of it, I hadn't until I Googled it. Um, but it has a nice app that you can set up or adjust your monthly contributions on and you can see your balance. So something I don't like about pensions is that they can seem really sort of mysterious and this money is sort of squirreled away somewhere and you never see it and you don't know how much is there and um, it's all just um, behind this veil of mystery and I don't like that because it's money that I've earned that I'm putting away that is mine essentially so I really like that transparency with pension B. Um, the rule I've heard is that you need to save half your age as a percentage of what you earn for the rest of your working life. So for me, that's bye-bye, 15% of everything I make until at least the age of 55. So I now have no disposable income. Yay! <laughs> but um, I feel like a responsible adult and I know I'm definitely doing the right thing and taking care of my future. Some pensions apparently have massive fees just to set up the plan. But as far as I can tell, Pension B just have a yearly fee of less than 1% of your pension pot, and that's it. So go me, basically. But if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I really need to set up my own pension, take this as um, encouragement to go and do it, because you'll feel great. Um, pension B is designed for people who already have maybe a workplace pension, um, or if you've had more than one job, maybe you have more than one workplace pension. And it's a place where these can all come together and you can also contribute to it as and when. So um, because I worked at uh, Chet's for so long, I have a small teacher's pension there, which I will in time be transferring over to Pension B. So everything's in the same place and I can see where it is and what's going on. So... What did I learn last week? I learned that these little monthly subscriptions that I was talking about, you know, your Netflix and your Spotify and your Audible, um, they really do add up. So they should be entered into with extreme caution. Um, take my phone, for example. I've been loving dropping down to a SIM-only deal of £14 a month on my iPhone 6, as I definitely didn't need to upgrade it last year. It's absolutely fine. Um, and I was paying, 
I think it was £33 a month and it went down to 14 which just felt great. The only issue now is that the phone is no longer reliable or working properly. Um, and somehow in the past three years it's become impossible to find a decent iPhone contract for less than £45 a month. What what has happened? I just, I can't face signing up to that bill every month just yet. Um, I know I'll need to upgrade my phone soon, but I'm putting it off for longer than I ever would have in the past. Um, like I say, I just can't face it when my income is so up and down. So I think it's August that I'll need to upgrade, um, but we'll see. I might, try, I might try and hang on a bit longer. We'll see. We'll see. But the monthly subscription model is so widely used these days, isn't it? There's something for everyone. Um, even toothbrushes and toilet rolls are now available on monthly subscriptions. Um, but seriously, you can get everything like this. You know, your food, you know, your meat, fruit, vegetables, etc. Clothes, so many online resources, Netflix, Amazon Prime, I could go on. But to save time, let me just say the following. We live in a finite world and there isn't an infinite amount of stuff that we can buy. And here's the thing, we don't actually need most of it. Something I'm going to be looking into in future episodes is the idea of living a more minimalist lifestyle. I'm going to have to do this because all my money is going into my pension, but anyway. A minimis minimalist lifestyle. Only buying the things I need, buying good quality things that last, using what I have for as long as I possibly can, and responsibly discarding the things I no longer use or need. So often when we think holistically, what's best for us and our well-being is also what's best for the planet at large. Using, having and buying less stuff is vital for the health of our planet. This minimalist mindset is also helpful when we think of the content we consume. So, let's look forward to the week ahead. I want to chat with you today about being mindful of the content we consume. I got to thinking about this topic because something started this week that a lot of people will be totally engrossed in, that will literally take days away from us due to the number of hours of watching, and it's designed to be contentious and addictive. And of course I'm talking about Love Island. I'm going to hold my hands up here and say that for the last three years I have watched and loved Love Island. So please know that this, no this is not coming from a place of judgement of anyone who watches and loves it. Like, I understand and I get it. Uh, but for me, this is the year that I need to stop watching it. Um, it's just, it's fake, it's constructed completely melodramatic and full of people who will eventually just be trying to sell me stuff on Instagram. I think it was Jim Rohn, Jim Rohn, that said, we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. I am so lucky that I'm so inspired by the people closest to me. Take Clouds, for example. Everyone in Clouds is just completely amazing in their own way and they all really inspire me. I love spending time with them and working with them. And I hope to get them on the podcast too, to have a little chat with me. Um, but that's a topic for another day. Here's the thing. I take Jim's statement to include the content we watch, read and listen to. 
So ask yourself, the things that you watch, read and listen to, what impact do they have on you? Do they make you feel better about yourself and your life? Or do they make you feel worse after you've finished? Nothing against the islanders at all. But time is precious and we only have a limited amount of it. I'd rather spend the hour that I'd be watching Love Island catching up with loved ones or doing something enriching like reading a book or practising the piano. I could be reading up and researching ahead of starting my yoga teacher training, for example, or looking for more ways to promote my business. I could go to the gym, I could go to my yoga class or swimming, or even a walk on these lovely long summer's evenings. So when it comes to content consumption, what I'll be trying from this week going forward is listening and watching things that inspire me. Things that stimulate my mind in a real way, rather than watching the constructed reality of an all-expenses-paid trip to Mallorca for a bunch of single people looking for fame. Love, sorry. Sorry, they're all obviously looking for love. A massive player in this field is, of course, social media, Instagram especially. Think about who you're following. Do you feel better or worse after a mammoth scrolling session? Do the people you follow constantly try and sell you things to make you look or feel better about yourself? Taking a conscious approach to the content we see on social media is massive because it's such a big part of many of our lives. So let's look at the big three social media platforms one at a time. I'll start with Facebook. So I actually left Facebook for a while last year, um, but I eventually found myself going back simply because it's a very useful promotional tool and it is a networking tool as well. So if you work for yourself, um, if you're a musician, um, I, I do feel it's easy to, you know, it's better to be on there, but we can control it and we can make it work for us rather than passively receiving whatever Facebook throws at you. So I feel like Facebook is one of the easier platforms to control in this way. You can simply unfollow people you don't want updates from. That way you stay friends and you won't upset anyone, but you don't have to see their posts. And the nice thing about doing this as well is that when you see them, you can genuinely catch up because you haven't already seen all their holiday photos and found out that they've got engaged and, you know, all the rest of it. This is best done on those who like to complain or maybe uh, post attention-seeking posts. Um, just unfollow. It just, trust me, it feels great. Um, but now I'm saying this, I'm wondering how many people have unfollowed me on my friends list. But, um, but it doesn't matter. I don't want to bother people who don't want to hear from me. So please feel free to unfollow me. I promise I won't take it personally. Um, think about pages and groups that you may be followed years and years ago that still spam your newsfeed every day. Um, unlike those pages, it's going to declutter your newsfeed and it's going to be great. My goal is to have a completely uncluttered newsfeed with updates from just my family and my close friends. And I'm getting there slowly. I'm getting there. It's a, it's a work in progress. So Twitter. Um, my advice for this is to unfollow negative accounts or accounts that are just nonsense or rubbish and clutter your feed. Um, I know that I follow far too many accounts and this is something that, that again I'm working on. 
Um, sorry, my cat just jumped onto the desk. I'm not sure if you heard her meow just now. Hi, spider. My advice is not to get caught up in following people who follow you, or worse, following people in the hope that they'll follow you back. Follow people you care about and people you want to hear from. Again, be wary of accounts, businesses or influencers trying to sell you stuff, because none of us need that. Um, in my early days of freelancing, I followed loads of accounts that I didn't really care about, but I thought from a networking point of view, it'll be useful, you know, like conductors and orchestras and all this. And um, it really hasn't improved my life in any way. So if I was do if I was starting my Twitter page again, I, I just wouldn't do any of that. Um, I'd focus on following the people close to me, the people I care about. And just focus on putting out quality content and making meaningful connections. Um, and that's going to save so much clutter that we see on our Twitter, because Twitter's a really noisy place. And I think it's hard to make it to make it work for you. So yeah, that's what I'm trying at the moment, just being a bit more minimal with who I'm following. Um, so while you're decluttering your Twitter feed, remember you can always tweet me at HarpistAngelina. Use the hashtag SoulTraders, that's S-O-U-L, traders, to let me know you came from my podcast. I would love that. And no, you definitely do not have to follow me. Um, don't worry about that, but do say hi, because I would love to hear from you and connect with you that way. Okay, Instagram, the biggie, for me anyway. I'm increasingly unfollowing people I don't know personally or people who I perhaps do know but just haven't spoken to in ages. Um, I like to think about it like this. Would I say hi if I saw that person on the street? Or would they say hi to me if they saw me on the street? If the answer's no, I would just unfollow. We don't need to be inundated with content from hundreds and hundreds of people. The less noise on these platforms, the more space there is for people and accounts who motivate, inspire and entertain and for the people you care most about. So let's start thinking about wrapping up this episode. Um, what I'm going to be doing this week is to start thinking about curating the content I see on my social media and I encourage you to do the same. And think outside the box when it comes to the books, series and films you choose to spend your time on. Um, I can't wait to get started on various things recommended on the high-low. When you find content you love, support it. Leave reviews and ratings, that's a hint by the way, and tell other people about it. Let's get everyone inspired by life. Be a conscious consumer of content not a passive receiver. If you have any thoughts on this podcast episode, please feel free to leave me a tweet or a voice message. Let's get the conversation started. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll look forward to chatting again next Sunday morning. Possibly, hopefully, nothing set in stone yet, but possibly with a very special guest. So watch this space. See you next week.